The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. If you're one of those people who's been told you're too sensitive, toughen up, or you feel things very deeply, you're probably an empath. And an empath is someone who feels more empathy than the average person. And this can be both a blessing and also come with some challenges, especially if you encounter a dreaded energy vampire. And more and more people are becoming aware of what an empath is, as well as what an energy vampire is. And I don't know if you've noticed this on TV, there's a vampire show called What We Do in the Shadows on FX. And actually one of the characters is an energy vampire which is pretty funny. And he goes around sucking people's energy and he works at the DMV where everybody's energy gets sucked out. It's, it's pretty funny. But we're going to dive into this subject today with my guest. Lisa Campion is joining me and she's a psychic counselor and energy healer for over 25 years. And she's taught many empathic people how to manage and embrace their empathic gifts. And her new book is called Energy Healing for Empaths. How to Protect Yourself from Energy Vampires, Honor Your Boundaries, and Build Healthier Relationships. And you can also find her online at lisacampion.com. And Lisa, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to chat with you today. Thanks, Diane. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's beautiful to be here with you today. Well, this is such a great topic. I love this. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that everybody can relate to, either being an empath or feeling that they're more empathic or coming across those energy vampire people, you know, they're out there. And have you ever, have you seen that character on the FX show? I was totally (laughs) laughing when you said that. Now I have to watch it because that's just totally hysterical and I got to see it. You you have to see it. It's pretty clever where he works in all these places where of course your energy is, is really getting sucked out. It's pretty clever, but we've all been around those people, right? Those energy sucking vampire people and you don't know what to do about it. And your book is so amazing because it offers all of these great tips and strategies on what you can do to protect yourself from those people and also honor your own empathic self. And, and I love that this is becoming more common out there. You know, people are more familiar with the term. There's Dr. Judith Orloff's been doing great work on this and a lot of other people have been, uh, you know, kind of contributing to it. So just to get us started, I wanted to just let people know a little bit more about you and and you describe growing up as that, you know, sensitive and, and psychic empathic kid. And, and that must've been difficult, you know, tell us how you learned to come into your own, I guess, and kind of embrace those gifts. Well, you know, it was hard, especially because like I grew up uh, just outside Boston in the 60s, 70s and 80s, I was born in the, in the 60s. And, you know, back then there, there was no vocabulary for this. There was no languaging for it. Like there is now, like now we have like psychics on TV. We have new age bookstores. We have, you know, people talking about these things. And, and I was just trying to stay low on the radar because I knew if I shared what was ex- I was experiencing, I, I was going to end up in the psych hospital. Like, you know, if you see angels and talk to dead people and see colors around people, like that, that didn't go well for you back in the day when I was trying to deal with it. So I, I spent a lot of time 
trying to pretend to be normal in public and at the same time trying to figure out what was going on, what was happening. Um, I, I was a little lucky because my parents were hippies and, you know, they, they were Unitarian hippies. <laughs> so they like took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10 because that's what you did when you were a hippie in 1974, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, and, and I learned how to meditate. I met Maharishi Yogi and he, you know, it was kind of a profound experience for me because he was talking to a translator and he kind of looked at me, he was doing his thing and he looked at me and he looked at me again and he was like, oh, he was talking to this translator. He was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, oh, you poor thing. Like if you'd grown up in my, my country, India, we would have known what to do with you because you're very psychic and you're, you need, um, but you're kind of screwed here in America because America's basically spiritually bankrupt and it's just, you're going to really struggle, but you have to hang in there because you're going to help a lot of people when you get older. Oh, that's and I was so like, interesting. I know. Isn't that fascinating? I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and later when the penny dropped when I was an adult and I was like, that was Maharishi Yogi that said that to me when I was 10, you know? And I was like, wow, you know, but it, even though I didn't know who he was, I felt it, like it was a pivotal moment for me because I felt somebody acknowledged my gift. So I, I grew up in a haunted house, of course, Murphy's Law, and, and I was just surrounded by spirits and dead people and energy and stuff that there was no language or vocabulary for it i became very um sort of addicted to horror movies paranormal horror movies and had this sort of pivotal experience watching the movie poltergeist <laughs> where there was this character the woman who's a psychic who's a professional psychic and i was like 12 or 13 or something when that was came out and i was sitting in the audience going oh my god you can do that that's the thing you can do like i'm gonna do that I i'm gonna be that you know, and and she explained what happens when you die and why people some people get stuck. And I it was like I gobbled up every little piece of paranormal information I could get from these strange. And it was sort of an odd. It's probably about 50 percent accurate <laughs> and 50 percent like Hollywood. Crazy Hollywood, Hollywood, you know, craziness. But, you know, then I got to college. and It was the 80s and it was the dawn of the new age. Thank the Lord. Right. And so now there's people writing books about it and there's psychics that are talking about it, you know, and I worked in a new age bookstore that hosted quite a lot of these authors doing workshops and speeches. And so I got, I got, I started to get some very good training. I trained with a shaman. I trained with some ch channelers and some psychics and I actually started working as a psychic when I was 19, just because I don't know when you're 19, you think you can do stuff. So you, you know, you, you do, do it. it. And, yeah. And then I, I, um, I, I was trained in counseling and psychology after that because I needed more skill to actually deal with people. And then like 20 years ago, I, I learned Reiki and have folded Reiki and energy work into my work. But these days I really feel like my, my sweet spot is to train psychics, healers, and empaths to fully step into their gifts. My goal in life is to create an army of healers to go out there and save the planet because we pretty much need saving right about now. And that's the way that I, I can do it. So I love working with people, psychics whose gifts are opening up, empaths who are are becoming aware that they're sensitive and that it's a thing and that it's not terrible. It wasn't designed to like curse them, you know, and make them suffer, but that, that there's a deeper purpose to it, which is to help help other people. And I, I just love um, guiding people through the awareness of their gifts and sort of polishing up their gifts so they can go out and, and, and do and be in the world what they're meant to do. It's so exciting now. And I'm, I'm nodding my head as you were speaking, because 
so many things popped up that I, that I experienced. Like I was always fascinated in paranormal things and I loved ghost stories. And I remember asking my mom, my mom to buy me a deck of tarot cards. She's like, what? (laughs) Why do you want that? You know? And there was a bookstore in our neighborhood and I would ride my bike there and I would just plant myself and I would read, 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 you know, ghost stories and things like that. And Sometimes they'd forget I'm there and the lights would go off. And they're like, wait, there's this kid is still sitting here. You know, get her out of here. And I just would love to bury myself in in books. And I loved all of those stories as well. And we were talking a little before the show and you said you had a cat named Tinkerbell. And I remember first seeing Peter Pan and that was my favorite character was Tinkerbell. I love the blue fairy and Pinocchio and all of those things. And it's great now that it's not, it, people may raise an eyebrow, but it's not as weird as it was. It's definitely not you know, like dire- go directly to the mental hospital right, level of right. weird, you know. I mean, I guess there's still p- people in parts of the country where there that's really can be a problem, and I do hear that from my students. But I think there's sort of a an, an opening, you know, which is good because I think it, humanity in general is opening. Like people are becoming more psychic, becoming more empathic. Suddenly, t- it turns on like overnight, um, especially the psychic stuff. Empath with an, an empath tend to be born that way, but a lot of times our our gifts are increasing, and every generation that comes in seems to be more sensitive and more psychic or have more of them, and their gifts are stronger now. You know, so I was sort of a the level of psychic ability that I have was very unusual when I in my generation, but the kids that are coming in, the young people that I work with, it's quite common. You know, and I I do feel like both of these things are part of the evolution of humanity. And as we become more conscious and step into a higher level of awareness, these are byproducts of spiritual awakening, really. Well, I have hope for the future and future generations. And I, I hope that what you're saying is true, that these abilities and being able to recognize compassion, being more empathic. I mean, that's got to be better for humanity as a whole as we move forward. So I really hope that we're moving in that direction. I certainly hope so, too. And, I, you know, empaths don't tend to take center stage or seek power positions, you know. But I'm pretty convinced that if they did, if we had empaths in charge of everything, we would have very few problems, very few of the problems that we have. Because empaths, we have this natural ability to feel compassion to put ourselves in other people's shoes and we can't really abide suffering you know watching other people suffer so we're we're gonna fix we're gonna be like hunger we can fix that like we can you know change these things that are that are an issue for people so um i i think that empaths tend to be old souls too so as our human souls evolve we evolve more towards that um gentler more sensitive, like this kind of understanding that we are all interconnected. We are the animals, the plant, the earth. We're all part of this bigger organism, this bigger consciousness. And and it's like, I can't hurt me without hurting you. Hurting you hurts me. Like we we're aware of the interconnectedness of everything, you know, and non-empathic people sort of have this separation from themselves, from the world sometimes from the consequences of what they do and say. And, and, you know, yeah. And you mentioned old souls and I love how you go into the book of, I've never seen anyone write about this of an explanation of kind of an old, a middle or a new soul. And it, it was so great to read that because my husband and I would 
when we would encounter certain people, we'd say, well, he's new. He's just yep. new. And, uh, and it was kind of a, a joke between us, this guy that he worked with. And we would say, well, Josh is just new. But then you actually wrote about it. So I think that's great. Like there's the concept of the new soul and the old soul and, and how, that, how that works. So let, let's get into that a little bit, just since I brought it up, because I think, I think it's interesting. And that you said empaths tend to be older souls that were people that have been, we've been around this cycle a couple of times. Yeah, I think so for sure. You know, and I think new souls, they're kind of like, and I mean, this is all theoretical. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just my working theory, honestly, from having done like so many sessions and studied with individual sessions with people and studied a lot of metaphysics over the years to to really sort of divide into the new soul, middle soul and old soul. And new souls are like interesting because a lot of times they're the um, the, the energy vampires that we encounter and that there's sort of this polarity between, you know, um, new souls, which are narcissists, energy vampires, um, you know, we can, they're kind of inter interchangeable concepts there, um, attract old soul empaths in kind of this dance of polarity that if we work the edges of that in a wise way, um, c there can be growth and learning for both parties. And then the other kind of energy vampires are really the um, the middle souls. And those are what I call vic the victim vampires or some of them, you know, that because um, there are a, a few different kinds of energy vampires and the people who feel super victimized by their life uh, can be very draining for us to be around. And they s sometimes fall in that middle soul category. So I thought it was just, a, it's a less blamey way to look at it where, you know, we don't just have to feel victimized by people. If we just understand, okay, this person's in kindergarten and, you know, what are you going to do? Like, they've got to learn, like we, we don't let them trash us or you know we have to set boundaries but it's less like i don't know we can take it less personally in a way or we can be less upset about it i think if and less blamey and judgment judgmental about it if we look at it right that you way. understand them a little bit more and yeah. i guess i should preface also what we're talking about if if you accept the possibility of reincarnation then all of this will make sense exactly and, yeah <laughs> and if you don't then you, you might be like well what the heck are they talking about yes but exactly. it that it always made sense to me, and then when I saw you write about that, I'm like, oh, that, yes, that makes total sense. So it's it's just interesting, and I think also when we're talking about empaths, that people as they're starting to hear more about the term and learn more about it, maybe seeing themselves in the explanation, that to let go of the idea that this is negative, or if whatever conditioning or religious studies that they were brought up with as a kid that, oh, this is evil or something like that, that, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure like when you were younger, you might've thought, is this like, you know, exorcism stuff or possession, or I don't know. I mean, people might've put some weird labels on those kinds of things. Especially the psychic side of it. Um, I find that tends to get more like I, I was laughing when you said the tarot cards, cause I got my first set when I was 16, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm a, I'm a big tarot card user. I teach it and, and, you know, use it myself regularly. Um, but th those kind of like occult, you know, psychic, you know, that tends to get more um, splashed with, um, you know, when I, when I wrote my first book called the art of psychic Reiki, it was really challenging for me because it has the word psychic in the title. And it was like massively outing myself in the public 
as a psychic. And I was like, that doesn't always go down well. And I definitely got a lot of like, you know, yay. And a few like, you're an agent of Satan <laughs> kind of comments about it. Um, I, I, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. There's a lot of fear around psychics and a lot of misunderstanding, I think, about what it's like. And I would also say there's a lot of bad psychics or people who really do take know, advantage, take, take, take it to the dark side. And um, that's unfortunate, but it happens for sure. Uh, and I think there's less of that with the empaths. Empaths are so gentle. It's sort of hard to pin them as evil, really, um, I think. But I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about empaths. I think there's a lot of empaths who feel extremely disempowered um, and they, they wish they could get rid of it. You know, and a lot of times people say it's a curse. Yeah, I say it's a gift and they're like, it's a curse. You know, if it's a gift, I want to give it back to God. Like that there. And that that's something we can work with that we can learn to be empowered. We can learn to take care of ourselves in a way that, where we see our sensitivity, our emotionality as our superpower, which I believe it is, but it does take, we need to learn how to set boundaries. We need to learn how to manage our energy. And it, those are skills that can be learned that then free you up to be more powerfully in the world than maybe you have been. And you share in the book, some very, uh, I mean, you have great tips and strategies in the book, but also helping people to identify where they fall on that scale of empaths. Mm -hmm. And I've learned over the years how to protect myself from certain things. And, and you do say setting boundaries is so important. Like I know if that, if that ASPCA commercial with the dogs comes on, it need, I need to like grab the remote and change it or it's going to ruin my next few hours of the day because I'll be yeah. super depressed. Even just little things like that, trying to avoid those kinds of things that are upsetting. Um, maybe you're not good in, in big crowds, you know, being able to recognize those things. I mean, do you think that's important first off for people to, to manage this is to set those kind of boundaries? Absolutely. You know, to really acknowledge um, what our gifts and strengths are, you know, and where, where sort of our, our, what's not so easy for us. So empaths tend to be very good one-on-one. -on -one. We tend to be good in deep, in intimate conversations and really hate small talk. Um, we tend to like, like nature, animals, you know, elderly people, um, other humans <laughs> can be scary, like in, especially in large quantities. Um, and so it is, I think, important to acknowledge like what our strengths are and also I think as we skill up, we can be more resilient around the things like I, I get sad when I see empaths who don't know how to manage their energy, let their lives get smaller and smaller and more diminished. Like there's only three things I can do because anything else I can stay on my couch and snuggle my cat and watch Netflix, but anything else blows my circuits. Now your life has narrowed down into such a small sort of based out of fear and anxiety or like what what you can't do i want to see what you can do you know and when we have the tools the energy management tools and the boundary setting tools it can expand us our the possibility set in our life in in a way where i pretty much like can walk powerfully through the world and choose to do what i want to do because i want to do it not like well i only have these three things right exactly you know what i mean and can you talk a little bit also about 
something you call grounding, you know, and these are great exercises that you share simple things that people can do to lessen that anxiety and lessen those feelings of, you know, pain and suffering. Absolutely. It's so important. And that those, these foundational basic energy management practices are sort of the make or break skills that empaths need to have. And once we learn them, it frees us to be in the world in a different way. And grounding is the first step. So grounding is just really about coming back into our body. Sometimes empaths learn the habit of being dissociated. So we need to come back inside our own bodies. We need to learn how to stay connected to the actual energy of the earth, right? And to keep our mind focused in the present moment. Um, Those things create grounding. And you know, I get very ungrounded very quickly. It's like 20 minutes into Costco and I'm like, <laughs> it's overwhelming. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, who am I? What's my name? Like, what, what am I here for? I like, wh- I lo- lose my car-, car in the parking lot. You know, it's not good. So I practice that grounding before I, while I'm in there. And also when I come out and the two other things that go with that are clearing energetic clearing, which I use a sort of breathing and, um, and visualization technique to clear because empaths are like psychic sponges and we absorb the energy, pain, physical pain, emotional pain, and just the energy of the people and places around us. So Costco can be really, if you, if you're a giant psychic sponge and you're in the middle of Costco at the holiday season, you can imagine like sponging up all the energy and feelings of other people. We need a way to release that and using our breath or there's lots of ways to do it to clear our energy from what we, cause that leads to fatigue. That's where we get very tired, very fatigued. And then we need to protect ourselves. So we need shielding, extra shielding. We need to stop being a sponge and be a little more, have a little more energetic barrier between us and the world, which is what, which is normal for non-empathic people. And there's some really great suggestions. One of them was uh, to use flower essences. And I love that idea. Cause I, I have this now that everyone's carrying the spray, you know, the sanitizer or whatever, and usually they smell horrible. And I've found this lavender scented hand sanitizer. And when I start to feel kind of anxious or just not great, I just spray it on and just that smell. I'm like, okay. Mm, And that works. That works for me. I don't know if lavender, I know lavender's calming. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of things you can do sort of tools. People like, like, um, essential oils, you know, flower or flower essences for, they have all different kinds of properties. You can use them. People, some people like gemstones, you know, they carry around their, their gemstone that works for them. Um, I think we can lean into all kinds of extra tools like that can be, that can be very helpful. I find sort of water and salt to be super helpful. So most empaths are drawn to water and, you know, a, a dip in the ocean, a sh- shower, um, a salt tub. Like if I have a day where I've done a lot of psychic work, I get in my tub with my salts and my essential oils and kind of um, clear that way. And I've done, I've learned shortcut techniques of just even washing my hands with intention in the bathroom at Costco. You know, I, with this water, I'm washing away all the energy that I picked up, you know, and have done that all over, all over the country, all over the world when I needed, um, That's a a great idea technique. Yeah. Or even I guess like scents for me uh, work really well or like a a little thing, a hand lotion, you know, just to have, have that difference, that difference. The citrus scents are very powerful for 
energetic clearing, a lemon, orange, grapefruit. Those scents are particularly, and pine, the sort of like astringent kind of scents can be extremely- Eucalyptus, or is that too strong? Eucalyptus, exactly. Any of those ones um, tend to be very, very good for that. And I use flower essences too that, that don't have any fragrance. So people that are sensitive to fragrance can use the, the, the non, non-smelly flower essences. They're, they're, they're like flowers and plants that are soaked in water and then the water is used. So it has the essence of the flower without the smell of the flower. And there's a lot, there's a bunch of those that I use too, that I found, they find to be, I kind of carry a little couple of little bottles of when my in my purse with me and it's I think of it as my community service to like clear the space in the taxi cab that I was in or the hotel that I you know the haunted hotel room that I had you know or whatever is going on you know the emergency room at the hospital like needs energetic clearing like wherever you are we can kind of take those things out and and clear the leftover stagnant energy because as humans we we leave a lot of residual energy behind us, especially when we're in stressful situations. And, and you mentioned and, and the cab. are sensitive to that. Yeah. You mentioned the cab in the book. I thought that was funny because <laughs> who knows, <laughs> you know, what energy was in there and right? people that discount that. I mean, even people that are skeptics have to admit that they've walked into rooms and felt energy mm-hmm, and much, they've felt yeah okay, I shouldn't be here or this is going to be weird or something like that. We all are human antennas, you know, to some degree, even people that aren't aware, right? Absolutely. And I think it's sort of our, our baseline adaptive strategy as, as humans to be psychic and energetically aware of our environments. And I don't think we would have survived in humanity as humans if we weren't, you know? So even people that aren't, don't think of themselves as psychic or don't believe in it are susceptible to places that have strong residual energy will feel it. You know, if you go to the abandoned mental hospital, you know, or, or wherever the prison, you know, that, um, you have Gettys- to feel that you have something. to feel a Gettysburg battlefield. Wow. Like, you know, I, I just challenge anyone to go to a place like that and, 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 and really say they don't feel something even if we don't know what it is right 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 i felt that at alcatraz have you ever done the tour yes i have that was intense (laughs) yeah it is pretty intense we're gonna take a very quick break we'll be right back to chat more with lisa campion about her book energy healing for empaths and we're going to get into energy vampires so stick around we'll be right back Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back. I'm talking to Lisa Campion about her new book, Energy Healing for Empaths. How to Protect Yourself from Energy Vampires, Honor Your Boundaries, and Build Healthier Relationships. And I I think you're going to love this book. Definitely check it out and go to her site, lisacampion.com, for more information about her. So I did want to dip into Energy Vampires, and you go into some great explanations about this, who these people are, everything from, and and there's levels of, of these people as well, in addition to the levels of people who are empathic, right? 
So you can have yeah. some people that are somewhat of the energy vampire and others that are like the real sociopaths. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like there, there's in general, I think we can, and this is a broad statement, but we can sort of in general divide people into two categories, energy givers and energy takers. And just sort of a constitutional leaning towards one or the other of those, you know, and the empaths fall empaths, healers, people like that tend to fall in the energy giver that we're givers where we, we want to help people. And then energy takers are just sort of, you know, one of my friends says, well, that's just how electrons flow. It's like a positively negatively charged situation in there. There's no, not a problem with people that tend to be more on the energy taker side as long as they're in balance. Then we kind of go down the spectrum and we get more into like, well, narcissism, you know, narcissistic tendencies, narcissistic personality disorder. Now you've got a big problem, you know, and then beyond that into like the psychopathy, like the real psychopaths and sociopaths and the, and the first kind of energy vampire that I talk about is the, are these psychopathic sort of, um, predatory energy vampires is what I call them. And they're, I think the ones we are, fortunately, they're, they're, they're not terribly common. They're more rare, but they do really give us a whammy when we've encountered them. And I'd say pretty much everyone I've, I've ever worked with has at some point in their life run across a person like this. And they're really kind of con, con artists, you know, they're, they're consciously looking for somebody to, take advantage of and we, there's a lot of conversation now um about you know like psychopaths and how do we identify them and the 10 psychopaths you know at work and like all those kind of that kind of thing and and it really fits into that category of they see they they tend to be drawn to empaths and they see other people as batteries as energy supply as you know you like a source to get filled there. And it could be anything from your, literally your life force energy to your money, you know, your credit, the gas in your car, the food in your fridge, your time, your attention, whatever you have is theirs. And they're going to take it without remorse really. Cause the, they just, that's how they're wired. And those relationships sometimes can go on for years. Well, I mean, yes. if it's a family member, then you're really in trouble. Yeah. You need your book. I know <laughs> for sure. if you're married to one or if you have, you know, if you're have one in your family and, and they're, they're tricky because they're very charming. Like what, how do, you know, when we think about the mythology around actual vampires, they're beautiful, they're charming, they're charismatic, right? They're hypnotic and they, they're shape shifty. So these types of predatory vampires tend to, they're very psychic in a canny way. So they feel who you want them to be and they shape shift into being that person that's going to, and they, they call it love bombing, right? So they're going to love bomb you kind of hook you. Um, and then once you're hooked, they, then they start draining and taking and, and it's kind of the carrot or the stick. If you give me what I want, I'm going to be nice. If you don't give me what I want, we're, it, there's going to be trouble. And so they're and the manipulators that these people leave. I mean, I've, I've seen people where, you know, one good friend of mine was kind of sucked in by this guy. And the tragedy is that years later, still, she yeah. still cannot trust and will never really let anyone into her life in that, in a romantic relationship way. 
Yeah. I, I just think it's sad that she gave that person so much power that even in the aftermath of realizing, look, he took advantage, you know, he took your money. You're never going to get the money back. Let that go. And I, I think that, yeah, sometimes the damage can be really long lasting. Really long lasting. And it, it happened to me, um, even though you th- I'm a psychic and you think I'd know better, they really, they really do can fool you. And part of it's because they, you want something so badly, you know, and they shapeshift. And, uh, you know, it was a short period of time for me, but I was super jacked up and needed a lot of work afterwards, like a lot of trauma recovery. I had sort of PTSD and I was real shaky and had to, you know, work it for a couple of years to recover. So anyone who's been in that situation, um, there's a lot of information in the narcissistic abuse recovery world that can be very helpful books youtube videos workshops therapists who specialize in that and that would be like if you feel like you've been with somebody like that and you still feel jacked up by it get with the narcissistic abuse recovery world and you can find a lot of resources in there yeah thankfully there is a lot more information out there but for some people, maybe someone listening to this right now, and you're thinking, well, this is ringing some bells for me. This sounds really familiar. What are some ways to cut your losses? You know, when do you know when to get out of it, I guess, because some people let things drag on for years. You, you ha- As soon as you know you're in that situation, you've got to go because they don't have any intention of changing. In fact, mostly they think they're perfect and they see you as the problem. And as soon as you start setting boundaries and saying no, they will generally remorselessly let you go without remorse, let you go and find another person, you know? Um, And they're kind of like, well, you're empty, you know, off you go and I've got somebody new, you know? And and so there's no changing them, fixing them, reforming them. No amount of couples therapy is going to work. And I think oftentimes you might need support or help. You might need a counselor or therapist or sort of a team around you to kind of um, really fluff you up and support you enough to feel like you can, because usually by the time you're ready to leave, they've really taken a bite out of your self-esteem, feeling pretty shaky. And they'll tell you you're not worth anything and you're not going to be able to get along without me. And if that you get told that enough, you start to believe it. So they, they're good at disempowering us. They sort of eviscerate us in a way. And then we're, we feel like we can't muster the energy that it takes to leave. And I think getting a team around you to help is how we get out. Well, you do share one story where there is hope. I mean, there was one couple that you described where there was alcohol issues involved and, and addiction. And the other person was able, the one that was being the psychic vampire was able to, yeah. to shift. But that, I mean, that doesn't happen all the time, right? It doesn't. It doesn't happen all the time. And, you know, and I do think there is an opportunity, usually more with the the middle of the road energy vampires. You know, I don't think psychopaths really change their, their, their stripes. But if you're sort of in the middle of the road there and you're committed to healing and I, I've, after I wrote this book, um, I had was approached by people who are like, I think I'm an energy vampire. What do I do to fix it? You know, and I, I was sort of surprised, like I, I wasn't expecting that you know, and gratified that that should happen. And they actually do have classes and books and courses you can take on the other side of empathy, not to do, not what to do if you're overly empathic, but what to do if you don't have any empathy and you want to cultivate it. 
you know, and there's therapists and all kinds of resources, actually, that if you feel like you are in that category and you want to change, <clears throat> there there's things you can do to cultivate and and learn to be more empathic. That And that's such an interesting way to look at this whole thing, like what <coughs> some, something must have caused that. I always think when you, when you look at extreme people, like even, I guess, you know, Osama bin Laden at one point was a little innocent, small baby that was an innocent soul, right? I would guess in the beginning, what, what happened along the way? I don't know. I mean, that's probably a really it's a tricky example, issue. but you know, yeah, it is, it's tricky. I mean, do we all, do we come into this world as kind of a clean slate or are we always bringing in something else that would cause? I mean, I have my opinion about that, but it, you know, it's only my opinion. So take it what it's for what it's worth. And I, I kind of go back to the new soul, middle soul, old soul thing we were talking about a few minutes ago new souls that's how they roll they're they just don't know they don't they haven't learned compassion and empathy yet um and so new souls have to have to go through that they you know it's a phase their spiritual evolution takes them to and certainly people's trauma you know trauma is a very serious indicator of of how we you know manifest that way how traumatized we've been and you know, they've been. There's some really interesting research on the brains of psychopaths that say, well, their brains, their brain anatomy is different. You know, why? I don't know. Like, it's hard to pinpoint the the point of origin of that. I I just sort of fall back on my new soul, middle soul, old soul, and kind of the karmic, you know, the 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 over the long term incarnations we have on the planet are are here to sort of soften us. You know, and and our new soul days we sort of rock rack up a lot of karmic debt in our middle soul days we will often choose so let's say you were a slave owner in your new soul days you may choose to be a slave in your middle soul days because you it helps us it's how we learn compassion that kind of suffering if you haven't felt compassion for another human yet is often how we do it. Like this sucks for me. Therefore it sucks for everyone else. Who's ever like, Oh wow, this sucks. Like the penny drops in some kind of way that, Oh, it's, it's not okay. Actually now it's not okay. You know? And that person evolves then to the point where that's not something they stand for anymore. Right. But I, right. I, I think we have to have kind of shoe on the other foot. Shoe, one shoe on both feet here in that, that experience to truly open our hearts and, 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 and feel compassion for other people. And and that's my personal theory. And it sort of, to me, explains why there's so much suffering on the planet, because suffering is how we learn compassion. It makes total sense. And then I guess the bright, the bright light or the silver lining in that is that if someone is at that point in their spiritual evolution, that they do realize that this is what's happening, why am I this way, then that awareness is the first step to change, right? So moving yeah. forward, they're not going to carry this with them in That's their right. other interactions and then also in, in maybe other incarnations. Exactly. If, that, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's so fascinating. Just my theory. I don't know if it's true. It's just kind of <laughs> how I how I consider it these days. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. So I wanted to also ask about a psychic attack, which sounds pretty dramatic, but how, how would you explain that where you know, you're in a situation, what would you feel if you were in a psychic attack? You know, it's so much more common than you might think. Um, I would say everyone's experienced one at some point in their life. <clears throat> so let's say you're driving down the highway and somebody cuts you off. 
um, and you you curse that person, you know, <laughs> or you you're the cutter offer, right? And you're like, sorry, <laughs> and you can feel that you can if you're sensitive, you're gonna feel that other person send you a wee little energy whammy as they curse literally curse you, right? So that's a wee little kind of psychic attack. And think about people who are really full of hate. You know, pe people that are going through a divorce or people that are on opposite sides of some bigger conflicts. Um, we often hurl tremendous amounts of negative energy at other people without really batting an eyelash. And those of us that are sensitive feel it, you know, right. so there's sort of like it can be a psychic attack can be anything from a symbol at what I call the malediction. A malediction is like you walk, you're walking around literally muttering and cursing about somebody else. Like that is like a curse. It's like literally cursing somebody and down to downright, like, you know, full on black magic. You'll be, you would be shocked at how I'm constantly shocked at how often I come across actual black magic done to like clients will come and see me and they'll be like, I think somebody's throwing me a whammy. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. If it isn't true, you know? Um, and, and that, that's a kind of psychic attack. And far as energy vampires go, what can happen is there can be such an intertwining, uh, like such a, a desire to control and manipulate, like in a full on abusive relationship that where the, control comes through the psychic connection we have with people we form sort of these energetic cords that energy healers and people can see and um if you could probably if you've gone through a breakup let's say and you're letting go of somebody you might feel like a really powerful ache physical ache in a part of your body right your solar plexus or your heart or your belly that that you feel as that cord pulls separates when we when we break up you know end a relationship um, and, and those cords don't always end. So if you had like some crazy narcissistic mother who tortured you in your childhood, and even though you don't talk to her anymore, um, th there can still be an energetic cord between the two of you that, um, where energy passes back and forth. And if it's not positive energy, you're going to feel it like a psychic attack. And you might dream about that person or, you know, feel like she was in my room last night. <laughs> like what happened? You know, so, you know, and though, and honestly, those things can, can continue even after one of the persons passed away unless they get, so those psychic attacks can happen from across the grave. If, um, if the connection is powerful enough and we don't clean it up. And if you realize that that's the case, what can you do to cut that cord? I mean, if you want to break that, you know, you went through a horrible divorce or a breakup and you just want that severed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, like a lot of times people will go to energy healers for those kinds of things. You know, Reiki practitioners, energy healers, know shamans, know how to do cord breaking. But really, we can do it ourselves by setting our intention to it and kind of clean. So cords are sort of both ways. We have to allow somebody to cord us. And you can disallow it, sort of revoke permission, you know, um, that somebody be uh impinging on your energy field and a lot of that comes from getting things off your chest so i talk about this letter the seven day letter writing cure as a an easy way to to clear cords where you just write a letter to somebody you're never going to send them um and you can be f feel free to like get everything off your chest 
we tend to hold on to these things because we haven't fully said everything we need to say. We're holding on to something, you know? So you write, and it could be like a couple of days of like, screw you, you know? And then after that, there's going to be hurt. Oh, I'm so, so upset. I'm so, you hurt me so badly, right? And then we get past that. And we can have like a really soul to soul conversation if like, could drag that person's soul down here and be like, look, dude, like, totally, like, this is what I learned, and thank you for that, and this is what really happened here, you know, when we get to that level of conversation, the cords tend to dissolve on their own, um, and then you, you you don't need really a cord cutting, the cord is a represent representation of unfinished energy, so if we can finish, if we can close the loops inside ourselves, that tends to automatically kind of disconnect us from that person. That's a great suggestion. And we can do that for, like you said, it could be for someone who's passed. Like if, if you had a real a horrible relationship with your mother or father, yep. then you can kind of smooth things over, at least yeah. for yourself. A hundred percent. And I, I really think it's important to do that. That's what opens our hearts, what brings us into a state of forgiveness, what creates an openness for other relationships to come in of all kinds, and what clears the karma between people so you don't have to have a repeat with mommy dearest next time, the next lifetime, because if you don't clean that up now, you might be on deck for that. Right. <laughs> that That's kind of scary. I'm going to send your book to so many people that I know, because I, I'm thinking of all these different situations where people need to do an exercise like that to, to cut that kind of cord. And, you know, since the holidays are approaching and boy, do you get psychic attacked and triggered and all of this stuff, Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. just past, uh, Christmas. I mean, what, what do you do in a holiday situation where you're around family that you can't really escape sometimes? Well, shields on full. So we do really intense energetic, you know, really those basic ground clear protect exercises strengthen our energy field over time. So if you do them every day, it's kind of like weightlifting for your, for your aura and that can be highly beneficial. And then there's a lot of really deciding what, how much energy time you're going to spend with a person that's difficult. When you have a difficult relationship, you're still allowed to say no. You still, you know, um, empaths don't believe they have a right to say no. And sometimes really have to learn that, you know, maybe you only stay for a few hours. Maybe you, you stay for a few hours, you say a lot of no's when you get home, you take a tubby and you uh, salt tub and you walk in the woods, you know? Um, so to really honor our own selves and decide how much we're going to put in to those, we make a decision from a place of power, um, and sometimes, and I, I write about this in the book, what do we do when we have to really cut ties with people? Sometimes we do. And then how do we get support for ourselves and having done that, you know, if that's, the, if we have to go that far, but I mean, you know, and I, and I talk a lot about the boundaries, like the levels of boundaries where you're allowed to have boundaries, physical boundaries, sexual boundaries, you know, um, political, spiritual boundaries, thought boundaries, digital boundaries nowadays, you know, where you're in charge of how much you share with another person, you're ultimately, you have the right to have say no and have a boundary on every one of those levels, you know, and, and a bunch more too. It's so important. And I'm just kind of circling back to boundaries again, how you have to learn to say no and how sometimes that's the hardest thing. Like no can be a complete sentence, right? That's it. Absolutely. 
You don't have to explain. And you don't have to take care of the other person's feeling about what, what, how they feel when you said no. And that's very difficult for empaths because we know, because we feel everything, we know if we say no, they're going to have a hissy fit. And now we have to de deal with their hissy fit. And it's easier sometimes just to say yes than, and suck it up, right, than deal with all the their shenanigans about it. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't advise that. I'm not an advocate of that. I think we need to say no and then learn how to tolerate other people's feelings. People are allowed to have feelings about your no, and it's not your, you don't have to deal with it. You don't right. have to fix it. You, you have know? to learn that self-care. I, I remember reading a book um, from uh, Cheryl Richardson about self-care and there was one chapter that says, let me disappoint you. You know, I'm, yeah. it's going to ha it's going to happen. I'm not going to feel great about you feeling bad about my decision, but you know, you, you have to, you have to take care of yourself. And I know that's hard for people and especially yeah. when it's family. Yeah. And especially when you're an empath and it, it's kind of a, a kind of codependency really, you know, so um, empaths tend to be extremely codependent. Like I'm not okay unless you're okay. Yes. And if I, so I'm going to make you okay. So I don't have to feel all of your feelings about not being okay, plus all my feelings about you're not being okay. And so we, that's, that's got to stop. Like, you know, people's feelings are their feelings, our feelings are our feelings, and we can learn how to, like I said, tolerate other people not feeling okay. Exactly. Right? We have, we just have to, that's a functional skill we all have to learn. And maybe you could share, I mean, we have just a minute, a minute or so left. It's, it's been so fun to talk with you about this. And I think it's so important that people have these skills. Is there a little exercise you could share, like maybe a, a short, you know, minute or two kind of cleansing or grounding meditation that you do? Like, do you imagine, you know, a white light or you know, what is a great strategy when we walk into the office party? Although I don't know if there's any going to be any office parties now. I know. My you know, God, the pandemic COVID. has been fantastic. Our empaths have loved it. <laughs> like, right? it's been Those really days good are over. But, yep. <laughs> you know, walking into the family dinner or something like that. Sure. So there's a couple of things that I, I really like. So like, imagine like if you close your eyes and push your feet into the ground a little bit, you kind of want to like bring your breath and awareness you can imagine a beam of light coming right in the top of your head and sort of landing right in your tailbone. And as we come into the tailbone, we ground. That's the quick way to ground. And then put your shields on full. Like imagine, you know, you your spaceship and your fields are up or imagine you have a bug zapper or you're inside a bowling ball or uh, whatever image works for you that you are, you are separated from the world, that you and everything that's you is on the inside of this boundary and the world's on the outside of that boundary and nothing crosses that your boundary without your permission, right? And then when you, that's sort of like muscling up, you know, when you leave, if you feel funky, um, then you can imagine like a, a waterfall of light coming through you to kind of wash away. It's sort of like a, an imaginary energetic shower. Um, Empaths tend to collect the energetic goo from other people inside their bellies. So one of the things I do is breathe light, like stand under that imaginary light waterfall and collect the, that light in my belly and on the exhale breath, squeeze. Like if we're a psychic sponge, we need to squeeze the sponge. So I squeeze that out on my exhale breath, like you're standing under a shower to wash away the energetic goo that we pick up from other people. And, and do you like uh, envisioning certain colors or can it be whatever I you think like? Whatever you like. White, white always works. White is a good, you know, good pick because it's a cleansing, you know, 
kind of energy. But I think if you feel good about another color, pick another color. I like to think of kind of, you know how the inside of a shell looks like an iridescent? Yeah, like iridescent. That's yeah, I, I, yeah. I like to imagine that kind of magical you know, light. Perfect. And I don't know if you, do you ever like work with any angels or guides or anything like that? Or Absolutely. Yeah. Like in my psychic work, that's what I do is help people connect with their guides. And yeah, we can call in our guides, your angels, you know, we all have protector guides, especially empaths, protector and guardians who can, we can call on them to assist us from the, you know, from the, you know, angelic world, from whatever, wherever your guides are. And a protector guide might be, your granny who's, you know, in spirit, it might be an angel, it might be like a power animal, like a lion or a tiger or something. And kids often connect with these beings kind of in the imaginary friend kind of way, but they don't leave us just because we grow up. We all have them. We all have a team of guides around us, actually, that have a lot of different functions. This is the topic of my book that I'm writing now. <laughs> it's called Awakening Your Psychic Ability. And it's it's kind of going to it's going to be about how how do we maximize our psychic ability? That's amazing. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending all this time with me today. I love talking about this and I could, I'm sure I could chat your ear off for another hour or so, but I want to send people to your site, lisacampion.com. And also you have a, a radio show, right? Can people get that podcast? Yeah, sure. Yeah. My radio show is called the miracle of healing. It's on empower radio. It's also on every podcast outlet, you know, it's all over. Um, and, and if you do come to my website, I have a special gift there for empaths. It's a free class called um, energy management for sensitives. It's a free four hour video class that actually will give you many of the techniques that we talked about and you know that we talked about today diane so i hope everyone drops that's my gift for you um for all you sensitives out there perfect well all you empaths out there check this out it's so helpful and thanks so much lisa thank you so much diana loved being with you today thank you for listening this is unity online radio the voice of an awakening world.